Welcome to Spots of the Truth, where it's all about the clear understanding of the living Word of God and how to apply it to everyday life. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the new birth. We are going to be taking a closer look at the clear instructions from Jesus himself, God in the flesh, giving us details about how we can enter his kingdom and become truly saved uh, and spiritually born again and what that means. So I want to open up with a quote here from Charles Spurgeon. If we were asked to read to a dying man who did not know the gospel, we should probably select this chapter, John chapter 3, as the most suitable one for such an occasion. For what is good for a dying man is good for us all, for that is what we are, and how soon we may be actually at the gates of death. None of us can tell, end quote. So it's a very good reminder how we are all dying and have been dying since our birth, our physical birth, right? So we have, we're talking about two different kinds of um, becoming born in this subject. And I want to clarify them because a lot of Christians and um, churchgoers don't realize what the gravity of what this means. It really is the difference between being truly saved um, and entering into his kingdom, God's kingdom, or not. So, what is the biblical meaning to become born again? Today, there is a massive confusion to the meaning of these words, born again. If you ask the average Christian or the average person, what do they think it means, the response is perhaps a fresh start or maybe a new perspective of thinking something like a new year's resolution or you know some kind of you know program <laughs> but this is not the biblical meaning of what Jesus teaches in fact it is not even close it is way off god is not someone you can just try out like some kind of 30 day diet and exercise plan he demands much more because he deserves so much more Knowing what born again means is crucial to the Christian and what truly sets themselves, truly sets the Christian apart from not just non-believers, but especially other professing believers. So on that note, let's go ahead and dive in. John 3, 1 through 21. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. The Pharisees were the teachers of the law, the Mosaic law that came down over the generations. Um, and so Nicodemus was the the head, uh, so it says it right here, a ruler of the Jews, right? Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. So he was called the teacher of teachers, right? So he would um, be in charge of the Pharisees. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he 
cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him. You are a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. The Son of Man is another title for the Son of God, who is Jesus. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So there's another direct connection to the Old Testament in Numbers. Verse 16, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, verse 17, uh, most people will know uh, verse John three sixteen and really cling on to it and let that be, you know, the t- determination for all of Scripture. Um, but that's, you know, not very, not very good. You want to know all of Scripture and read the whole chapter um, or passage um, to really get a full, full understanding. Uh, the next a few verses are equally and just as important. Verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. In verse 19, this is also very important, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So we see in these 21 verses how Jesus is giving very good detail about how to have true salvation and these are one of those things where you can't just take it literally because that's what Nicodemus is trying to do and he's not making any sense of it. These are one of the things you have to understand from a spiritual perspective. And and that and that's very clear because you just like Nicodemus, you can't go back in your mother's womb if you're thinking literally and then trying to become born again like as far as in, in the confines of this earth in our physical form. No. Jesus is simply talking about our spirit. We're born with a spirit, right, as well as a physical body. And that spirit is born with sin automatically, all right? Sin is not some kind of isolated event. It's not something that we do that makes us sinners. We are born sinners, and so that's why we sin. So that is why before you can become spiritually born again, um, you first must die to your 
self, your flesh, your body. And so let's go and break down the scriptures here. In verse 1, although Nicodemus was a Pharisee, his name was Greek in origin. It means victor over the people. Uh, He was a prominent Pharisee and member of the Sanhedrin, uh, which means a ruler of the Jews. It was the main ruling body of the Jews in Israel during the Greco-Roman period. It was the Jewish Supreme Court, or ruling council of, of the time, and arose most likely during the Persian period. In verse 3, we have the phrase, born again. Uh, the literal meaning is born from above. Right? Jesus reads the heart of Nicodemus and came to the very core of his problem, the need for spiritual transformation, a regeneration produced by the Holy Spirit, and that only comes from above. You know, only God can do this kind of work. We cannot, no matter how much religion we follow, we cannot f- become spiritually born again. Only God has that power to do that through us. New birth is an act of God, whereby eternal life is imparted to the believer. Born again also carries the idea to become children of God. Okay, so in verse 5, Jesus is not referring to the literal water, but the need for cleansing. Uh, There are denominations that take this uh, literally, and this is another thing about why in scriptures you have to be very careful what you're taking literally and allegorically, uh, meaning the spiritualization of the meaning of um, what it means. And so there are denominations, Christian denominations, that says you literally have to go and be baptized for salvation, but we know that's not true because Jesus is, in this passage, clearly describing that it's not about a physical um, deed or religious act to become saved. Um, so we know that's not true. So um, the water is the need for cleansing. We're all born in sin and with a sin nature. We must be cleansed from being dead in sin to being alive in Christ. When water was used figuratively in the Old Testament, it habitually refers to the renewal or spiritual cleansing, especially when used in conjunction with spirit. So when you're, when you're thinking about terminologies in Scripture and what it represents, what it means, you need to look at the whole of the Bible. Um, and the Old Testament and New Testament all go together in one as a fully complete document and reliable, sufficient, um, and complete um, document of God. So, you know, we, we have to be very careful there. So verse 8, the wind represents how we can see the works of the Holy Spirit. But just like how the wind blows, we cannot see where it comes from and cannot be understood or controlled. But the proof of the work is apparent. With the Spirit works, there is undeniable and unmistakable evidence. In verses 11 through 21, these verses turn away from Nicodemus and centers on Jesus' discourse regarding the true meaning of salvation. The key word in these verses is believe, used seven times. The new birth must be appropriated by an act of faith. All right, verse 14, this is the veiled prediction of Jesus' death on the cross from Numbers 21. 
where the Israelite people who looked at the serpent lifted up by Moses were healed. The point of this illustration or analogy is in the lifted up. So here's another uh, passage of scripture where Jesus is speaking about when the Israelites were in the desert and they were uh, being judged, but God provided a mean of salvation um, by the serpent on a staff and whoever looks on it uh, will be saved. And this was a, one of those direct correlations, connections from the Old Testament to the New. It was another prophecy, um, analogy, um, that you know we must also look upon and have our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. All right, verse 18, believed in the name. This phrase literally means to believe into the name, uh, means more than just mere intellectual assent to the claims of the gospel. It includes trust and commitment to Christ as Lord and Savior, which results in receiving a new nature and obedience to the Lord. All right, and so here's our response from this lesson. Can you remember an old version of you and can now compare it with a new version of you? Is there basically, in other words, is there an old self of you and a new self, right? So in other words, let me give you an example. If your new self, um, after you have accepted Christ as Lord, is more joyful, peaceful, without anxiety, um, the struggle of sin is still, you know, very much, you know, there because we're still battling our flesh. But you do have power over it. How you react to your sin is different. Um, you don't. You're not a slave to your sin anymore. So you, as soon as you recognize that you did sin, you repent, and you ask for forgiveness, and then you commit to not doing it again. All right. So worldly people. Um, or false Christians are numb to sin. They don't even know that they're sinning or don't care to acknowledge it. They just continue to live how they want to live. So um, this that's the difference. If you have a, your new version of yourself, that's how you can acknowledge that you are living for Christ and your life in this world is no longer your priority. It is God's kingdom that is the priority. Okay. Um, and that's a good indication you are born again. If you cannot think of that you're any different, meaning there is no old or new version of yourself after you, uh, you know, said you want to follow Jesus, it may be an indication you haven't fully surrendered yourself to God by dying to your sin and your desires. Are you hating sin as much as God hates sin? Do you feel secure with your salvation according to what the Word of God tells us? Do you know why you must become born again? The soul, our soul, is in desperate need of a Savior. Our Savior, Jesus Christ. And to understand how desperate your soul is, you need to understand the human condition and how desperate it is. How we are rotting away in our, in our flesh, in, in our sin, and the only way to break away and become truly alive is to become alive in Christ. He is the only way to cure our cancer of the soul um, and the only way to true salvation and the only way to enter His kingdom. 
He is the only way to become transformed. If you're wanting a new life and, 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 you're, and, you're, and you're understanding that the way that you are wanting your life to go isn't working out, because it was never meant to work out on our own. Um, you know, the, the, the fall of man, since the fall of mankind, we have been living in a broken world with a broken soul. And so, uh, this is your calling to become alive in Christ, to become born again. And when we surrender in humility, accept Him as our Savior, and acknowledge Him as Lord over our life, um, meaning He has a, the authority, he, whatever He said in His commands, that is what I will, how I will live. That is what I will do. Um, because He is the one that gives us true life. But it all starts with and continues in the trust and obedience to his word. Not just simply claiming, oh, I know, I want to follow him. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it sounds good. No, you must fully trust and obey what he has said and commanded. So now you know the biblical definition of meaning of what it truly means have salvation and become 